Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And we have a special guest with us today. Yes, I'm really excited about this guest because this <laughs> is a dear friend of mine. Um, Y'all have heard me talk about her before, and we'll get into that in a minute. But we get to speak with Laura Lee Dodson. Laura Lee is a master health and life coach based in Florida. She's been working as a coach since 2011, and she is my coach that I've talked about in the podcast when, remember way back in the days of my studio when I wasn't ever exercising or taking care of myself, but I had that one amazing client who was a coach. Like At the time, she was more of a personal trainer, and so we would trade lashes for personal training. So she'd come into my studio, and we would do yoga after I'd finish her lashes and things like that. This is who we get to talk to today. I'm so happy about it. So, Laura Lee, thank you for being thank here for with being us. Here. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm good. Good. Good, good. Um, so before we started recording, I was telling Laura that I've been wanting to get her on for a while. And so I'm happy that she's finally here with us because she's amazing. You're gonna love her. And basically, I just I just miss your face, Laura. I'm just happy to see you. <laughs> I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you guys. And my lashes never looked so fabulous uh, as when you were doing them. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? I'll be honest, though. I don't miss doing lashes. I just miss the interaction. I, right. I, yep. Yeah. I, I miss being able to just like have girl time and talk to my people and lock myself in that room with the tre- you know, treatment table and just talk and be and connect with people. So mm-hmm. now I get my connection over Zoom in Sweet. moments like this. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you. You're a master health and life coach. What does that mean? Tell us how that came to be. What, what that means is that I started with personal training and um and nutrition, diet, uh, weight loss coaching back in 2011. And I have had the gift of working with so many spectacular people, Mm -hmm. just brilliant, brilliant people. And um, like you said, just being able to have that connection and being able to just dial in and really know that you've got that way of being able to help lift them up to the next level. And Mm -hmm. just learn so much from my people. And, um, one thing that became really frustrating for me was that when my clients, my, my, um, goal always as a trainer and as a weight loss coach, um, and now as a life coach is to help people to be independent, to Mm -hmm. not have to be reliant on, you know, supplements or, or, you know, training plans or me. In this particular case, and so they, my people would do outstanding, and I would, they would know all the things, and they would do so great, and they would hit their goals, and then um, I'd even send them off with like a notebook with all their workouts and all of that, and then call me if you need me, mm-hmm. and then I would see them sometime later, a year, run into them, year and a half, two years later, and a lot of them would have put all the weight back on or more, mm-hmm. or they had traded. Um, something that was bothering them. They had had slipped into a place where they were no longer healthy about their weight loss. They had traded that for um, becoming almost more um, hyper-focused mm-hmm. on it. And it had damaged other areas also. You know, then they would be talking to me about things that were happening with their marriage or happening with their health otherwise, or, you know, different relationships and stuff. And so I started to really want to look deeper at what was going on with my people mm-hmm. because I knew they knew what I had taught them because they were excelling. And so my I wanted to know where that information was getting lost. And what I came to was uh it's a process that's um used a lot in data and software called root cause analysis and that's where basically you go and you ask five whys to start with um it's going and finding a problem like in uh when i worked at the hospital we would if there was quality control when there's quality control situation they start with okay 
um, this particular thing happened. Well, why were those people getting sick? Um, they, because they all came in on this date. Well, what happened with that? Well, this all, these were all the same thing. So you're looking mm -hmm. for those same kind of sleuthing out what that answer is. Mm -hmm. So I applied that to what was happening with my people. And it boils down to that their mindset hadn't changed. So even though while they were working with me, they were seeing themselves through my eyes. Like I could see them being strong. I could see them being fit. I could see them um, eating well and, and taking care of themselves and nurturing their relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. But they were relying on me to provide that vision instead of them being able to go, oh my gosh, here's where I am. So when they weren't with me anymore, all of a sudden they go back and slide back into these little tiny habits because their little thought way tucked back that's, you know, been there for a really long time is, oh, but I'm still just a fat girl mm. or, oh, I don't deserve to like my body or, mm -hmm. oh, I don't have anything to offer here unless blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so that was where I was like, okay, that's the magic. Because then when I started to work with clients from that level, when we started to be able to get them to that place where it's not someday I'm going to weigh this much, you know, and mm -hmm. my life will be glorious. It was, guess what? Love right now. This is freaking awesome right now. Mm -hmm. And let's build on it, mm. you know? And so, yeah. I love it. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. How long were you, or like, was each client? Like how long did you spend spend with them as far as like working with them? Um, on average, usually about six months. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, some would be three. Um, and you know, I had some clients that I worked with for, you know, a year, year and a half, just because. But their their goals were different. Like that one was really super busy and she didn't want to have to think. And she was just like, I just want to come and I want to train and I want to have accountability with you and boom. And that was what we did. And so it worked out great, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but the process was still the same. When I saw her later, it was still that same thing. It was really interesting to my sleuthy brain. My little Sherlock Holmes brain wanted to figure out why. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So I can relate to this because um, I worked with you, you know, you and Let's be honest, I was not the most dedicated client because <laughs> I I definitely when I was starting my fitness journey, it was definitely coming from a space of if I were more in shape, then that boy will like me. And mm -hmm. so everything was kind of focused around that as opposed to I want this for me. And I remember um your like sugar detox diet that you had that was like so hard for me to do because I am like such a sugar addict, but I was off sugar for over six months. Like, and you recommended it for three weeks, but I was off of it for six months and I was doing great. I was loving it. It was awesome. And then I don't know if you'll remember this, but I like knew that I was looking better. I was feeling better, all of that. And then I had to go to the doctor, just like a routine checkup and they weighed me. And on their, their scale, I weighed more than I had ever weighed before in my life. And I had a freak out. Like I called you. I was like sobbing. I was like I'm doing all of this. I'm not eating sugar. I'm exercising once a week, like more than I ever do. And I am now fat. And then I just like fell off the deep end and just like went on a total binge and spiraled downward and all of this. And it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't anything you did. Like you supplied me with all of the tools, right? But my mindset was still like, I'm just this skinny fat girl. Like I, I'm, that's where I'm always going to be. I can't make any changes in my life to be better or be more. And honestly, it wasn't until like I decided that I was going to go into the police academy that I was able to take the concepts that you taught me and then apply it to a mindset. And now my attitude about fitness is like completely different. It has nothing to do with how I look physically. It's now about how I can perform. And so 
I don't care how much I weigh. I don't care what I look like. What I care about is my numbers and my, you know, my performance goals. But it was so hard for me to get into that mindset um, when I had all these limiting beliefs about me that were just like weighing me down and holding me back. So I totally get, yeah. Well, and that happens too, because it's, it's underscored by what society expects us to be, right? You, every child in the world, um, when I was training super, super, super hard and my youngest was like three, one day I I walk in, strip down, step on the scale, step in the shower. Mm -hmm. And my husband, when he was training for the Ironman, he walk in, strip down, step on the scale, step in the shower. Mm -hmm. And one day I'm in the bathroom and we're going to, um, have my three-year-old hop in the shower. He, he peels off his pull up steps on the scale and then steps in the shower. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a thing, <laughs> right? Like never crossed my mind. And it was mm-hmm. never a, uh, it wasn't ever a bad thing in my head. It was just a checking in, right? Yeah. Because of where my mind was. Right. But here's what I had programmed to my kid, mm-hmm. right? On top of that, we have all of them with the air quotes, right? Um, telling us, that that's something that we should be concerned about, mm-hmm. that that's something that if we want to fit in and we want to be part of the tribe, then we need to make sure that we are weighing this certain amount or we're whatever that is. You know, mm-hmm. we look the certain way, we have this certain hairstyle, we wear the certain clothes, we whatever, because mm-hmm. our brain, our, our primal brain, our lizard brain <laughs> is all about, we must stay in the cave, we must stay safe, and we must not get kicked out of the tribe because we could starve or die. Yep what it goes to. It's like exactly. it's the base survival, you yeah. know? And the interesting thing with that experience that you had when you stepped on the scale that all of us have had is that you walked into that doctor's office feeling good. Mm-hmm. You on sugar, you were sleeping better. You weren't having the digestive stuff you had mm-hmm. going on. You felt strong. You could run. You were doing all of this stuff and you walked in feeling that way you stepped on the scale, you saw a data point, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you saw a number and your brain said, holy shit, this isn't acceptable. Right. Like what has happened? And you stepped off the scale and you launched into hideous cow should never go out in public. Yep. I, I am so embarrassed for all of the last three people I talked to. They're probably talking about me. Mm -hmm. The only thing that changed you could not have changed your body in that 10 seconds. Mm -mm. The only thing that changed was this stupid number Mm -hmm. that you saw that your brain has attributed a price tag to. Yes. That's it. Mm -hmm. So when we know that that's what that is and we give ourselves permission to just go, it's just data. That's all it is. It's neutral. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with anything. And So therefore it doesn't get to choose how I feel about myself. Right. But because of that old thought, that one that was so worn in because it was one that you had nurtured for a really long time without meaning to, but Mm -hmm. it was there. Mm -hmm. That was your brain's ticket to go right back to that shortcut, easy neural pathway. Exactly. Exactly. It just like flipped this switch. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that you know, my, I hadn't built up this like new identity or this Mm -hmm. mindset. And so it was so, I I was on like such a fragile tightrope anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes, I was making progress and I was doing things that I believed in, but because I didn't have this strong foundation in it yet, then when I saw that one data point where I had based all of my self-worth on that particular data point, up until this that point in my life, um, yeah. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I feel better. It doesn't matter if I am having better digestion. It doesn't matter if you know the guy that I'm seeing tells me I look good. It doesn't matter anymore because all that matters is that now this data point says that I'm heavier, so therefore I'm fat, so therefore I'm worthless. Like, right. it was right. awful. It was, and the so spiral bad. happens because we." are relying on external information mm-hmm. for our self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that is something that like, I remember when I went into the academy, um, the first day that we got our Sam Browns, our belts, 
they passed out all the belts and there were how many girls in my class when I started seven, yeah, um, seven, seven girls in my class and they passed out all the belts and then they came back around and they brought me like the one extra, extra small belt that they had. Like I was so small that the like 30 inch belt was too big. So they had to bring me the 28 or the 28 was too big. So they had to bring me the 26 or something like that. And, um, I was super proud of myself at first. I was like, Ooh, that's right. I'm the small one. Thank you very much. Don't forget y'all. I'm the, you know, whatever. Then listen, I started realizing my waist is too small. So I can't fit all of my defense tools on my belt. I can't, I'm not going to be able to have two handcuffs on my belt. I'm not going to be able to have 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 handcuffs in your bra. How awkward is that? Exactly. (laughs) I know. Like, hold on. Let me get this. (laughs) But like, I'm not going to be able to fit, um, a baton and pepper spray. Like all of a sudden I'm starting to realize, wait a second, being skinny and being small is not ideal in this situation. And when it's me facing, uh, like six foot four, 350 pounds ex-convict that doesn't want to go back to jail. Hold Mm -hmm. on a second. Being small is not anything to brag about anymore. And it completely changed my mindset. And I started realizing like, wait, my weight, like literally that's not even a question. It doesn't matter. What matters is my mass and my performance. Like I need, I realized that from a safety standpoint, from a survival standpoint, what mattered was what I could do. And so now I, and this isn't, sorry, y'all, all you beautiful listeners, this isn't my like therapy session with Laura, even though I kind of have a tendency to monopolize the conversation in that way when I talk to her. But, um, <laughs> but my, my point is, is that like now I don't want to be wearing like that size jean anymore. I want to go up a size. Like I want to go up two sizes or three sizes. Like I want to I want to perform. I want to be strong. I want to feel strong because that makes me feel safe and empowered. Whereas before it was like, I need to be the smallest, like as the smallest possible without being hospitalized so that, um, I fit this society standard of being skinny. And it isn't even, it's just the society standard that you chose. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Because because there's a whole bunch of different societies within our, you know, United States of America culture mm-hmm. that will say different things. Right. That is true. Different things that are acceptable. So that was what you had decided was acceptable to you because at some point you had gotten validation from that. Mm-hmm. And so your brain went, oh, okay, well, that was cool. Because every time we get validation, external validation, there's this really cool dopamine hit that happens. Mm-hmm. And our brain's like, oh, I love that. Right? Yes. Same thing yes. with sugar, same thing with chocolate, same yep. thing, right? Mm-hmm. And we just go, oh my gosh. And so um, we get in the habit of looking for that external validation. And the problem with an external validation is that we have to keep seeking it, right? Mm-hmm. It's no different than any other drug. It is, if I was teaching a spin class and, and somebody gets up and walks out, even if my class is totally packed all the time, somebody gets up and walks out of my class, the first place my head goes is like, oh, oh my gosh, did I offend them? Did I, you know, because that's what we are geared to think. Yep. And so having that external validation also makes it so that we feel like we don't have control. Mm-hmm. We're giving all of our power over to what the masses are going to, you know, are they thumbs up, thumbs down? Am I getting voted off the island? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we thrive on that crap, right? That's where our mindset is. And so by you going into the police academy, by you deciding, you know what, here's what I want for me, Mm -hmm. because this is where I feel strong. This is where I feel power. Then that now is instead of it being confidence from past experience, past external validation, Mm -hmm. it's self-confidence. Because it doesn't matter what the hell anybody else says. You're like, you know what? You know what I super dig? I super dig being able to run if I want to. I Mm -hmm. super dig being able to wrestle with my dog. I super Mm -hmm. dig being able to go hiking and carry my own pack. I super Mm -hmm. dig whatever it is because it's all you. And you only have to go to you for that validation. It's not looking to somebody else and going, you know, 
Royal, am I okay? Is this, I mean, we do that with our, with our husbands. Dave mm-hmm. is totally my, my touchstone. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm kind of freaking out. He's like breathing. We're breathing. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Right. <laughs> that's what we love you guys for. You guys are like, Oh, exactly. But, but that still is very different. Mm-hmm. You know, like we know they're there and that they know our history. So we don't have to explain it. Right. Yeah. But as far as um, like for your estheticians, as far as them stepping out and presenting themselves to the world going, Hey, I really have this great, you know, this great, um, beauty tip for you, you know, stepping out on Instagram, stepping out on Facebook, stepping in, you know, creating groups, doing all of the things that has to come from inside Mm -hmm. because you cannot be successful if you are reliant on what's outside. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I love this so much. I mean, I feel like you've touched on um, the people pleaser syndrome, mm-hmm. people pleaser mentality for sure, that you are not, you're only as good as other people think you are. And mm-hmm. I've, I've noticed um, that oftentimes with the people pleasing, it's like we get fixated on the people who reject us. Yes. Like they're totally. the ones that we want to please. We're just like you said, there totally. may have been, you know, 29 other people in your spin class, but the one who gets up and leaves, you don't know why they left. That's you don't know loudest. if they just had to pee or like what it was. They get up and leave. And then you're like, oh my gosh, my class sucked because that one person left when there were 29 right. people there who high-fived you after and told you how much they love your class. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It is such a, and again, that goes into our cultural experience, mm-hmm. you know, with with um, cultural groups that we were raised with or that we grew up in, you know, the neighborhood personality or how it was in our individual families or, you know, there's always these from little ones, just like my three-year-old stepping on the scale, mm-hmm. we take those things as um, templates for qualifying points, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, you know, now I've done this. And so, you know, now I've done this, just like when you were in the academy, then there were things that had to be checked off in order for you to get to the next level of training, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're constantly doing that with ourselves, but where we feel super powerless is when we inadvertently give all of our power over to that out external checklist. Mm -hmm. And then we get mad. Well, and we get mad because we have no control. Because then it's not up to us whether or not we did a good job. It's up to somebody that we're probably just never going to please because what is that saying? You can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the entire world. And there's always going to be somebody who just doesn't like peaches. Totally. Yeah. So then all of your accountability is gone. Now you're a victim to the situation. Now Uh you're a failure because you couldn't make Uh this one person happy who you have no control. Not even just one person. It could be a group of people or whatever, but you have no control over them. And so because you gave it to them and we missed that bridge, Mm -hmm. we just feel like this is what's happening. I'm a victim. I look what's happening to me, Mm -hmm. not realizing that you're like, oh, wait, hold up. (laughs) Yeah. Like, who are they for me to give them so much weight in my Mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. Um, I love I just finished reading Daring Greatly. I'm pretty sure this is my second time reading it because everything I I love it. But um, so Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. And I know she's. Why is she so wonderful? But I'm pretty sure she's my spirit animal. I know. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. So um in so Daring Greatly, and I I should go up and grab the book, but um, you know, she talks about the the book is based around Theodore Roosevelt's man in the arena speech. And Mm -hmm. essentially, for those of y'all who haven't heard it, and I'll include the quote in the show notes, but basically what it's talking about is it's not the critic who counts. Like it's not the person who's telling you what you could have done better, how you should have done it. Um, but they're sitting on the sidelines watching you put yourself out there and be vulnerable and try. And like, essentially they're not in the arena struggling with you. And so really they don't have a say, like they're just on the sidelines watching, judging, but not putting themselves forth and trying at all. Mm -hmm. But in our society, we get so caught up in that critic who isn't yes. down there struggling as well, who isn't down there putting themselves out there, being vulnerable, trying to do better, trying to do more. And so, you know, as for estheticians, um, for our listeners, like it is so easy to be a people pleaser, to get caught up in comparison, to get caught in a scarcity mindset, to compare, you know, to be aware of all the people on the sidelines, like 
that ex-boyfriend you had that told you you shouldn't go into aesthetics because you can't make any money or your dad worrying that you're not going to be right. able to pay your bills and all this, but they're not in there like struggling through this and putting forth the effort with you. So the only people you should be focusing on are the ones who are like supporting and engaged. So, you know, Laura Lee, you mm-hmm. talked about how like Dave is your touchstone, like Royal is my rock, you know? So they're, but they're in the arena with us. And so their feedback right. matters. And that we have all of these people, like our loyal clients, um, our true friends, you know, all these people who are supporting us, they're the ones who are in the arena with us. So we should listen to them. Why do we give two and a half shits about the people who are just judgy and rude just for judgy and rude sake? Right. And it does uh, go back to that lizard brain. Yes. Really. Because the brain goes, oh, if they're not pleased, I might get kicked out of the tribe. If I get kicked out of the tribe, I could die. Mm-hmm. Right. But the problem that happens with that is that then we launch into scarcity mindset and stay in that fear mindset, Mm -hmm. right? And when that happens, that's when we start to be graspy and we start to grab at anybody trying to bring them in to be our clients, right? Mm -hmm. But the people that, that you don't want everybody to be your client because not everybody speaks your language. And, And there are, we are each one of 7 billion people in the world the chances that three more people are going to come that do speak your language, that you completely connect with, that you rock their whole experience are waiting as soon as you let go of trying to chase after this other person. Yes. Because it is you and the way that your brain is thinking that, oh, I'm not good enough. I've got to stay here. The more we continue to think that and feed that, then the more it repels the people that do need the light that we're shining. Mm-hmm. Not, it only draws in the little cockroaches. Mm-hmm. I feel like, have you read my book? <laughs> because <laughs> no, <laughs> because you're like totally talking about what I have been talking about um, with our with our clients and our audience. Um, it is so true. When you weigh your schedule down with the clients who are not your ideal clients who do not appreciate what you specifically have to offer, then that is the best way to bring resentment into your career and make you wish that you were doing something else and get you to quit prematurely before you've reached your like thriving point. Because then that's how you get burned out. Exactly. You're rushing around trying to please other people and just be like, why won't they? Why won't they? Why won't they? But Mm -hmm. if you're dating somebody that is like all like chasey after you like that, you're like, dude, go, ew, ick, right? Yes. Or you walk into a store and a salesperson's all right up in your face, like a little chihuahua, no offense to chihuahua lovers, but little <laughs> like person that's all yappy, like up in your face mm-hmm. and like fawning all over you. You're like, dude, back, right? Right. And so we actually tend to not have as much respect for that individual the longer that it goes on. Yep. And it gets to the place where like, I don't care if you're paying me three times what my normal rate is. I'm grossed out just by the idea of having to work with you today. Right. And that is not the energy that you want in a serving place. The whole point of us going into these sorts of professions is because we care about people mm-hmm. because we see a place where we want to be able to help them to feel connected. We want to help them to feel like they've got a place in the world mm-hmm. and to be seen. And if your focus is totally on the people that are like, look at me, I'm all about me. I'm all about blah, blah, blah. You know, you should, you should keep me happy. You should keep me pleased. Then you are not serving yourself, which means you are not able to bring that healing energy to your clients that are needing you and looking for you. Bravo. So you are doing a disservice to your good, your clients that really desperately need you by not getting rid of the clients that are not healthy for you. Absolutely. And I know that this is, this can be really hard to do, especially if you're like new in the industry, you don't have a lot of clients. So you're kind of in this like desperation mode, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't care who they are as long as they book. Okay. You may feel that way for the first little teeny tiny bit, but then you're going to realize that that is not sustainable behavior and you actually do care who they are, how they react to you, how they treat you, how they treat your services, your policies, like the energy that they bring into your space. They may be people who, you know, 
by the upsell, who refer their friends, um, who follow the care instructions, but they're just negative people. And Mm -hmm. so you don't have to have those kinds of people in your filling up space in your books, because if you're filling up your space with all of those people, then you don't have room for the wonderful glowing people that you connect with who could be taking up space in your schedule. But it, it does require so much like faith and manifestation. Like, okay, this is the kind of life like this, my vision board, whatever. This is the kind of life that I want. These are the kind of clients I want. So therefore I am going to discontinue working with anybody who does not fit this ideal life that I am manifesting for myself. That is scary, but it is so worth it. Oh my gosh. Here's what I would submit Mm -hmm. that when going to the thinking part of that, right. Um, I am only going to be able to attract the clients that I want when I am that client, Mm, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if I am only out connecting for the free stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm only looking for the samples. I'm only, you know, I'm not committing like if if I'm going to be like going to a dentist who doesn't have any oral hygiene, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) You're going to be like, "Mm, you might not be my guy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's making sure that you are showing up with um, having your own back. You know, you do go and you, you pay to have that skincare done. You do go and you, you pay, you invest in yourself to help yourself continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just sitting in place and then going, how come these people aren't coming to me? I'm giving all the free samples. I'm discounting all the stuff. When it all boils down to it, it's not about the money mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. ever. It's about the contact and it's about how they feel and how they feel like they are growing inside that helps them to start to blossom and evolve. Mm-hmm. And if you are giving all of your energy away into the free sample, the graspy, like come over here and do the thing, then you're devaluing your own work. Yes. And you have to have your own back because again, it goes back into that self-confidence that has to come from inside rather than looking for everybody else's validation to check in and say, oh, you're okay. No, you're okay. Because that person might've, you know, you they get sick and don't show up. And all of a sudden I don't feel good about myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you, Yes, but you're so dialed into looking for that external um, validation that when it slips and ebbs, then you feel lost. And like you said, powerless. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let me just put in a side note here. I uh, listeners, I did not prep Lorelei on what to say. Okay. All of this is like genuinely coming from her. So some of it may seem familiar to you. That is because it's true. And I'm not just like the talking head, like coming up with BS. Like we, we talk to you about these things so much because it is so true. And it is the way for you to build the thriving, empowering aesthetics career that you long for when you stop devaluing yourself, when you hold out for your quality clients who respect you, who love you, when you act the way, when you teach people how to treat you. So I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in there. Like, I hope that y'all are listening to Laura because she is the real deal. And it's like multiple people here telling you these things. Maybe we should start doing, right? (laughs) Is exactly true. <laughs> we can only have as much respect as we expect for ourselves. Yes. You know, if yes. you don't respect yourself, you're not going to respect other people. And it doesn't matter if you have really great shoes or really great sunglasses or really great hair. Mm-mm. If you're not feeling good on the inside, you don't feel good on the outside either. Mm-mm. You just don't. Yeah. But, I mean, think about like how you present yourself because and like I said, you teach people how to treat you. So when you walk into Walmart, you have you know what you're going to get. You have an expectation for how the people there are going to um, connect or not connect. Not like, connect. You know what you're going to be getting, right? 
it's very different from the experience that you have when you walk into Neiman Marcus, right? Completely different. So my- And both of them are fine. Right. They're both fine. And and if that's what you're like ready to go to and that's what you're looking for, that's both of them are fine. Right. There's nothing wrong with either of them. Exactly. But I'm assuming that most of our listeners are not wanting to be the Walmart of the aesthetics industry, right? And, you know, the, the average income for an esthetician in the United States is like $30,000. A lot of it is a a lot of why that number is so low is because of the bargains, the free stuff, the discounts, the not respecting yourself, the like graspy, like you were talking about Laura of like, please, 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 please come to me, come to me, come to me. Um, Instead of the Neiman Marcus way of well, this is an exclusive experience. It costs this amount. If you can't afford that, then this isn't the experience for you. But if you can afford it and you do recognize the value in it, it will be incredible. You will love it. You're going to gain this, this, and this. You're going to have this wonderful experience because I am the best and I care about you. I want to help you. But Mm -hmm. because I am the best, it's attached to this price tag. But I promise you it'll be worth it. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And having people have that much skin in the game means that they are going to follow through with it. Mm -hmm. Like it is any time that I discounted, there was one time that, um, I had one client that worked her tail off that I gave a discount to. And it was because she asked if there was discounts for cops. She was the wife Mm -hmm. of a cop and she, and she, um, so I was like, yes. So she worked her tail off, but of the hundred something one-on-one clients that I worked with over the last, let's just go five years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I gave a discount, they checked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I charged more and raised my prices, then then I had people that were in. It's a it's a filter for making sure that you have people that you're not, you don't ever want to be in the place where you're like, oh, come on, wash your face. Right. Oh, come on. Exactly. Right. You should probably take care of that happening there on your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is me gesturing at my face. <laughs> so, you know, making sure that you have the people that are already in, that are already invested in changing because mm-hmm. it helps your job is you will never serve anyone by trying to convince them. Right. It has to happen for them from them. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I see in a lot of, of um, healing industry is that we get in that place where, especially like estheticians, massage therapists, um, trainers, mm-hmm. is that um, we get this mindset of, yeah, but it's not really my fault. It's because the... Um, industry is so saturated. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a really easy place for us to drop back and just kind of excuse ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. It, again, it goes outside. Well, that's not true because surely you can find 30 people in the 7 billion in the world that are geared just towards you. Yep. So when you hold yourself to that higher standard, instead of going, oh, well, it's not really my fault. It's because the industry is so saturated. Mm-hmm. Then you're allowing yourself to slide back into obscurity mm-hmm. and then blaming everybody else, putting you back into that victim mindset. And we hate that. We hate feeling right. like a victim, but we love living there. But yep. don't tell me I'm a victim because I'm living here. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> It's so true. Don't mess with my yard, man. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so true. But I mean, we see it all the time. And again, this is another thing that y'all have heard us talk about is you, yes, there are a lot of estheticians out there. It's true. But there are way more non-estheticians who need estheticians. So you have no excuse. I'm sorry. Like if you are struggling, hate to break it to you, but that is probably your choice. Because there is something that you are choosing not to do because you are allowing to limit yourself with these limiting scarcity mindset beliefs that are holding Mm -hmm. you back when your people are there waiting for you. And the fact of the matter is now because you're not out letting your light shine and inviting them into your studio and showing your value, they're off having to get their Brazilian wax or their eyelashes done by somebody who isn't really their person. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so you are keeping them from having an incredible experience because you're not out being you and giving the world and your clients what you have to offer them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a lot of times, you know, we don't even realize one of the things that I work so much with my coaching clients is that they don't, they want to be able to cross that, um, change that thinking process, Mm -hmm. but they feel helpless to be able to do it. They're like, I just don't even know where to start, you know? And as Mm -hmm. I'm talking to you, this is me having worked with people since 2011, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so what I can say sounds like, oh yeah, okay. Like boom, right there, you know, but, but the truth of it is that it is a huge help, like having your show where they can touch back and go, okay, but what about, you know, such a huge service to be Mm -hmm. able to have the things that there are people, they don't have to, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, my job as a life coach is that I sit with people and totally hold this gorgeous, like arena. We sit on a couch together and we take a look at what people's thoughts are. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying, oh no, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening, I can go, yeah, but but why does that make you think that? Mm-hmm. Because I don't have anything in the game there, right? Mm-hmm. I get to just help people look at what their thoughts are mm-hmm. so that they grab that edge and then they unravel this thing and they're like, oh my gosh, yep. it turns out had nothing to do with, you know, this particular client. It actually had to do with the fact that I was feeling insecure about this date I went on a week ago, you know? Yep. And it's just our present thinking that we forget is layered from so many years of other things. So it's not, well, when I was three, I, it's starting from here and allowing yourself to, to branch out and expand and catch up on the thoughts that aren't serving you Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to see those things that are really holding you back. Because like with my, my training clients that were still going back and putting weight back on, knowing that, they weren't going to feel good knowing, you know, it didn't happen all right then. Mm-hmm. But that thought was still just the foundational thing that their brain wanted to go back to when life happened. Mm-hmm. And life is never going to stop happening. We have a virus right now, but there's viruses all the time. Mm-hmm. We're just all having a collective experience with this situation. Yeah. But everybody's having their individual um story that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Um, and I love that, that it's, it's not just this surface level. And that's one of the reasons why, like for us, when we coach our estheticians also, um, we will sit down and have like a one-time conversation, you know, we'll do that one chunk of coaching, but what is really beneficial is the three month program or the six month program where we can take time because there are so many layers. Like you're saying, it's like you, it's not always just, Oh, this bothered me because of this thing that happened right now in this moment. You got to get deep. Right. Exactly. Yep. And you have to kind of be willing to go. I love how you explained it, like unraveling it to figure Mm -hmm. out, okay, where is the root of this issue? Now that I understand that I can start rebuilding. And I can rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. And not only is that going to improve my career as an esthetician or, you know, whatever, but it's also going to improve my life, my personal relationships, my relationship with food or sleep or money or a fitness or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. is needing improvement in your life. But it's it's big. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because nothing is isolated. We like to think of things as being isolated but they're not. You go see a doctor, a cardiologist for your heart, or you go see a gastroenterologist for your, you know, stomach, or you Mm -hmm. go see a neurologist, you know? So we like to compartmentalize things and Mm -hmm. make it easy. The checkboxes again, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, nothing is independent. Nothing is. And that's Mm -hmm. why, like we were talking about before with, um, like the neutral thoughts, instead of just going from a negative thought to a positive thought, our brain rejects that mm-hmm. because it's like, yeah, you're a liar face. And I just don't even believe you because I've yeah. got all this evidence from the past that says that this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So when we allow ourselves to get to a, a place that's just neutral, then it's like, oh, okay. I had a client this morning that um, she'd applied for this job and she 
um, didn't get it. And she interpreted, they'd sent back feedback. She interpreted it as, um, we don't want you here and you're not good enough. Mm. And I go, can you read the words for me exactly? <laughs> mm-hmm. And the words were different for my ears hearing it because I'm not her with the emotional involvement, right? right? But her, we've been working together for about six months and her, her go-to for you know, relationship with her husband, relationship with her kids, relationship in her job, always comes back to this thought of I'm not good enough. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, recognizing that, how is there a different way that you could look at this sentence from this information that you got? Mm -hmm. You know, her neutral thought was after we talked about it was that she had received feedback. Mm-hmm. That it didn't have to be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Her neutral thought wasn't, I suck, they don't want me. And it wasn't, oh, they really love me and it's going to be the best and I can just blow this off. It was, they gave me feedback. Mm-hmm. So then she gets to pick where she wants to go from there. It brings back her power immediately yeah. to, okay, now what do I choose? Yeah. Right? Uh, I just, so um, this whole concept of, going from negative mindset to neutral mindset and then to positive mindset, I think is so powerful because you're exactly right. There's like, it's so hard to just flip and be like, okay, I'm down on myself. I'm down on myself. Oh, now I love myself. There you go. Now everything's wonderful. Um, It isn't that simple. And then we get frustrated because people are like, oh, your mindset, like you should be able to just change your mindset. Well, no, there's processes, there's steps, there's like changing of routine, changing of, you know, mindfulness and all these different things involved. But because we don't always recognize those steps, which is why it's so beneficial to work with a coach. Um, yeah. but we don't always recognize. So then we're like, okay, I'm supposed to just switch from scarcity to abundance. I'm supposed to switch from, um, like people pleasing to self-confidence. Um, but when they can't do it right away like that, then it's like, this isn't for me. This isn't working. I'm going to go back to where I'm comfortable. I'm going back into my like your shell. Exactly. Yeah. Like your shell. Yeah. Exactly. And um and they now have, have more like- validation by the way. Oh, right. Yes. Now they have more yeah. evidence that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So they should do that because that's ultimately what they were looking for in the first place. Yep. It was never the fact that they were going to be able to jump from here to here. Mm-hmm. It was always well I'm broken. I don't deserve that. Or, you know, that happens for other people. And I'm going to use this as a chance to prove that it doesn't work for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though the surface level of their brain, they're like, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to have 30 clients at the end of this week, you know, Mm -hmm. but their brain is like, you're so full of crap, (laughs) you know? So even though, no, I'm just going to keep repeating it. It'll be fine. I'm going to just keep saying this affirmation. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing wrong with having that ideal. But even when we have, like when I work with um, weight loss people, then I'll have them set their big goal. But then instead of going, okay, I want to lose 40 pounds in six months, it's okay, but how much would you, what would you like to do this week? Mm-hmm. Down to this week, because yes. people will often do that with a, with a um, affirmation. They'll be like, I am going to be a successful esthetician with a thriving business, mm-hmm. which is Super great and rainbowy and unicorny, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also extremely big. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, okay, you're going to be a super successful. What is that number? Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to be making a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand dollars next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's right, great. So you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars next year. So that means you need to make eight hundred and thirty or eight thousand three hundred dollars this month. Mm-hmm. And then, so what are you going to do to make eight hundred? Or eight thousand three hundred dollars this month, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Uh, <laughs> right?" Because yep. that's where the belief is. Yep, it's not the yes, I can make a hundred grand. It's how am I going to make eighty three hundred dollars this month, mm-hmm. and then how am I going to divide that into the week? Yep. Right, exactly. It's like it's so easy to throw out these like big picture goals, like these mm-hmm. huge. I mean, and they're not even goals, really. They're just dreams. Because mm-hmm. a goal, I believe that if it is a goal, then it has a date, it has a plan connected with it. So if you're just like, I'm going to be a six-figure esthetician, there, I've said it. Right. It's probably, not to say that you can't and that it won't, but 
it's probably going to be a long, way more difficult road than it needs to be because you haven't started making these little plans and you can easily get sidetracked because six figures, that's really big, especially if you are like coming from, you know, making $2,000 a month or something like that. So having, I love that you mentioned like the little goals in between, like, okay, that's the big picture for next year. That's great. What are we doing today? What are we doing Mm -hmm. this week? These are the Mm -hmm. things that are graspable that we can start making these tiny tweaks because it's, what is that saying? Um, how do you eat an elephant? The best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So what are your little steps to be able to get you to that goal? But yeah, I just completely, I completely concur with what it is that you're saying because, um, it's so easy to get down on ourselves when these big, huge, ambitious things aren't coming to pass, but it requires focus and it requires like this dedicated plan on a smaller scale to add up to that big, big picture goal. And the fantastic things that happen when you've got those little tiny steps Mm -hmm. is that now you have wins Mm -hmm. every single time. Now I will say every single time you make the big goal and then you go, okay, well, what am I going to do to make $2,000 this month? Right. Then, um, you're like, well, I don't want to make $2,000. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. So that's a stupid small goal. It doesn't even matter. Well, the thing is, it takes $2,000 to get to $100,000. Yes. Right. <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to take those steps. You don't mm-hmm. run a marathon by like going, no, 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 I'm going to run 26.2. No, I'm not going to do one mile at a time. No, I'm just going to run 26.2. Yeah. Right. Our brain just wants that bonus at the end, mm-hmm. but there's all of these little steps that have to get your ass to 26. Can I say that on here? But it is like, we, we want so much for that big, everybody's going to see how cool I am. Right. All mm-hmm. of that again, external validation. Mm-hmm. But when we've got those little ones, then we're dialed in on every single one of those wins. And yep. we, when we take time to celebrate those little wins, then we, our brain opens up to look for more mm-hmm. because we did get a cool rush from that. We're like, Oh my gosh, it totally worked. Or even if it didn't go the way you thought you can go, Oh my gosh, that totally didn't work, but look what else happened. Right. You know? And, and you get to be more creative, which right. brings so much more to you. And then you are learning another really great bridge thought. I'm learning to become an esthetician that makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yep. Right. Instead of I am the esthetician, this is where I am all vague. And mm-hmm. it's every day that I'm working, I'm earning money. Yep. It's, it might not be payday yet, but I'm earning it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that, that I am learning to become because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know that I grew up in like this perfectionist kind of bubble in my head where it was like, if I have to learn how to do this, then I shouldn't do it. <laughs> like I should just be naturally good at everything that I do. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, so learning is so humbling for a lot of us, but that is where your growth and your progress and your true potential and your creativity and your intellect and your wisdom, like that is where everything lights up and your life begins yeah. is when you allow yourself to learn because it's only when you're learning that you can become whoever it was that you were meant to become or whoever it was totally. is that you want to be. So totally. I love it. And, you know, I think Royal says, um, Connor McGregor says it, said it. I say Nelson Mandela said it, but, um, <laughs> I never, I never lose. I either win or learn. Yeah. And it's so easy yeah. to get fixated on these little failures. Like, oh my gosh, that one, you know, that one client got up and left or that, that one person didn't rebook or whatever. Um, okay. Well now you've learned that that's not your ideal client and you can move on. Or, you know, now you've learned that that's not the way to do that particular service. And so now you can do it better in the future. Like it's not a failure. It's not things to beat yourself up about. It's okay, great. I'm glad I learned this now. So now I can move on and be better from here on out. Thank goodness. And that's where the magic happens. Yes. That's where the fun is, Mm -hmm. is it's just like, oh my gosh, 
this was the funniest thing that ever happened. You know, mm-hmm. like I got to tell you what happened this time. You know, I was doing this rap and turns out don't use that. Uh-uh. Yeah. That was bad when you mix this and this. Turns out, <laughs> no, turned her foot for green. It was not a good thing, right. but we, yeah. we, we laughed. It's fine. It's fine <laughs> you know, yeah. mean, <laughs> that's where just the cool, cool stuff happens. And, mm-hmm. and if we are so wrapped up in all those little tiny you know, the people pleasing and not seeing the wins and those things, we're not having fun anymore. Mm-mm. And there's plenty of shit that will come our way, period. We don't need to create that in our dream job. Thank you. And so allowing ourselves to just take a breath and to just be like, oh my gosh, I love my job. I love my job. I love my people. I love learning the things. I, mm-hmm. okay, I don't care about that part so much, but I do love this part a lot. Mm-hmm. And that part's doing it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you got, when you got Penny, you have to potty train. Not yeah. an awesome time. Right. Not no, an awesome it time. Ain't. And right. so, you know, but you're like, but I, I dig the furry companion, but yes. <laughs> hooping on carpet, not so much. You know what I mean? You just kind of, you work with it. And yeah. so it's, that's part of how all of it happens. And the reason that we do absolutely everything, everything in our lives is because of how we anticipate we will feel mm-hmm. always everything. If you're like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars next year. It's because of how you think you're going to feel when you make a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. When you get to a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to be like, Oh, you know, it'd be cool. $500,000. I mean, yep. you know, it's just like, because you're like, well, here I am. And it turns out like, I still get a cold sometimes. And I still got this thing over here. And I still have to go to the doctor's appointments. And I still have to clean up after the dog who occasionally mm-hmm. vomits when they decide to get into the banana, whatever, yeah. you know, it's life is still happening. Yes. And so we're always reaching for that emotion mm-hmm. that we want. Mm-hmm. And so if we make our everyday feel like garbage, because we're beating ourselves up or we're, we're shortchanging ourselves on the kind of people that we want to work with, or we're, we're only working with these people because they're paying, you know, then there's not really any point. Go get a job at someplace else so that you've got just the regular paycheck, but this isn't being an entrepreneur isn't for everybody and that's okay. It's totally okay. There is no fail. There is no yes. There is no no. It's just literally whatever it is that we decide we're enjoying. And if it becomes something that you need to take a step back from and take a breath, then do because you can't help somebody else if your head's all tied up in knots and you're resenting that your client is on the table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. It's it's so true. You are like, literally, you are speaking to our souls right now. I learned a lot about myself. Oh, you learned about yourself. I listened to this. Yeah. Would you like nope. to share? Okay. Nope. <laughs> yes. yes, let's. <laughs> I learned a lot about after. myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is powerful. When we really start, when we really start to give ourselves credit for one, already being 100%. Mm-hmm. We part of that social mindset is that somehow we have to qualify mm-hmm. to hang out with everybody else, but literally every person is already 100%. I love that so much. And I feel like, you know, one way to kind of relate that back to like our listeners specifically is that a lot of times we think, you know, can I be proud of my business or proud of my career if it is not at that high level of success that I want it to be? Exactly. Yep. Is this still because something our I can- are our babies, right? Right. Yeah, totally. We really are. We put as much time and effort and everything into our business. It has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you get to choose if you're going to love it or you're not going to love it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you choose to not love it and to be upset with it because it's not where you want it to be yet and um, you're resenting it and all of that, your clients are going to pick up on that energy and they're not going to want to be there. They're not going to thrive there. Everything. If you aren't being there, thriving there, loving mm-hmm. it. Um, so it all cascades down. And Mm -hmm. you are allowed to be proud of where you are. It's Mm -hmm. not perfect. And guess what? It's never going to be like perfect. 
bigger means you're going to have new challenges. You're going to have more problems. There's going to be different things to figure out. It's never going to be perfect, but that doesn't mean that you can't have joy in it. You can't be proud of it. You can't love it. You can't grow with it. All of that. So you have permission and give yourself permission to, to love and embrace what you have right now. And when we're first starting out, we have a tendency to want to jump in, compare ourselves to the people that have been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, why is this business not paying my bills yet? You know, but really it's like you have a toddler that just started walking and you're mad at it that it can't ride a bike. Right. You know, you're like, exactly. You're like, what is this? This baby is broken. It's not riding a bike. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Little feet don't even reach, you know? Right. So it, you've got to take care of allowing all of that foundation stuff to happen. And mm-hmm. it starts all the way back with how you are choosing to decide to look at your business, to love it, to nurture it. And then the rest of it comes together. Yeah. And it's not going to be a one-time thing because mm-hmm. we all know it goes up and down and mm-hmm. you'll have a day where you're like, I love. And then the next day, even 15 minutes later, you're like, I hate. Mm-hmm. And it's just allowing yourself to just pull back and remind yourself that it's all a process. It's all happening one step at a time. It's all happening. And it all adds up to that, that big win, that big, that payday. It's all about that glorious magic in the middle where you learn stuff you didn't even know you wanted to learn, but it turns out, ah, so stinking cool. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's so true. Laura. I honestly, I want to sit and have this conversation with you forever. Um, we, (laughs) we do have to, we do have to wrap up, but like your insight and everything that you are sharing is just so spot on with what it is that we're trying to share with our audience. Um, you have so much wisdom and you have such a great ability to like see these big picture details that, um, a lot of times we aren't able to recognize because, you know, we're in this moment and we're stressing and we're struggling. And I mean, it, and it is easier, like as a coach, as an outside perspective, like you were talking about the woman with the job, um, your client with her job, who she didn't get that job and everything. It's easier for you to be like, okay, now wait a second. Let's actually look at this without the emotions. But I just think you've always had this gift to be able to help people recognize like, okay, it's probably not as bad as you think it is. I validate <laughs> where you're coming from. I understand that. I'm going to empathize with you, but now we're going to build and we're going to grow and we're going to do better. Like, because you don't need to let this weigh you down. So I love that about you. I think you're just so fantastic. Thank you. Um, we always like to ask our guests at the end if they could just briefly talk about what boundaries, balance, health, and safety means to them. Boundaries, balance, safety, and health. Yes. Well, for me, they're all connected, actually. Mm-hmm. They're all completely feathered into each other. Um, when you have boundaries for yourself, boundaries for your clients, then um, you are keeping yourself safe as far as not letting things slide on getting, you know, just accepting anything that's icky or, or discounting your own inner compass mm-hmm. is um, holding your own boundary, making sure that you are not discounting your inner compass. That keeps you healthy. That helps you to stay balanced. I am a huge believer in that if I can get quiet and just pause, then I will know what to do. Because if my head's all chattering and going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, it means that there's something that's disconnecting. And so for me personally, making sure that I take time to to just kind of grab a pen and a piece of paper and download whatever jibber jabber's happening in my head, then that helps me to regroup and helps me to be in a place when I'm working with my clients that isn't about me, it's about them. It helps me to stay emotionally stepped back so that if boundaries do start to get pushed, then I can still love them and send them on their way. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just be like, you know what, I don't think we're a good fit. Let's go ahead and end that. And because it's not good for either of us if I'm letting those boundaries slide. Mm-hmm. And that is just health all the way around. Health is not just what you're eating and, you know, drinking. It's getting enough sleep. It's what you're, what you're watching on movies. It's what you're reading. It's what 
podcast you're listening to, it's the people that you are associating with and the feedback that you are um, receiving from those people, whether or not that is something that's helping you grow. So for me, I think it's all just becoming that perfect client, like making sure that you're in the place of the person that you want to attract. I love that. I too. Yeah. It's so be the client that you want to have. Yes. I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, where can people find more from you? Um, they can go to lauraleedodson.com or um, they can email me at lifecoachlore at gmail.com. I know, Royal. It's cute, huh? Yeah. You're like, oh, I see how that rhymed. <laughs> do you want us to mention your Instagram at all? Or do you want just the website um, and your... Yeah, actually, Instagram and Facebook are Life Coach Lore. Okay. And I have a group page for people that want to dial in a little bit more specifically. It's called Meeting the Mark. And so I put a lot more on there for... That's more of the stuff specifically that I work with with my one-on-one clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they can contact me directly if they'd like to work one-on-one also. Perfect. So we will include all this information in the episode notes as well so that you can get in touch with Lore. But Lorely, you're a gem. Just thank you. You're a gem. Both of you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here, for bringing your light to our podcast. We truly, truly appreciate you. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Okay. See ya. Bye. Mm -hmm.